0: Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. One of my favorite things is to talk about the future. Think about the future. Uh, I love my head space is in the future. I love anticipating what's next, you know, what's happening next year, What's the next season of our life, and so we're we're not too far away from being empty nesters. And what's that going to be like? And let's let's plan, let's strategize, let's think about it. Uh, I love conversations about the future, personally or life together, corporately. My headspace right now is in twenty twenty four. What's twenty twenty four going to be like? And that's got me thinking about twenty thirty. What's gonna What's our church going to be like? And what are the possibilities? What are the potential? Uh, I love, love thinking about the future. I love sermons about the future, your future. Uh, God has a great future for you. If, you've, if no one's ever told you that, it's, it's a plan to, for you to prosper. It's, it's a plan for hope. It's what our growth track is all about, is to help you take that next step in the miracle that God wants to do in your life. And we want to be a part of seeing that happen, that God has works, good works, stored up for you to do. He has so much meaning for you. Uh, man, you're not even going to know what to do with. And of course, there's heaven, you know, ultimate future. So I love talking about the future, but today's message isn't about God's plan for your future. Today's message is about God's plan for your past. And it's one word. It's called forgiveness. Forgiveness for you and forgiveness from you. Now, forgiveness isn't like this niche topic, right? This is... Christianity 101. And my guess here is that there's more than a few people here in this room watching online who could explain forgiveness. Now, maybe you couldn't come up here and do two-hour seminar, and, but you could spend four or five minutes explaining the forgiveness that you have received, explaining the call that everyone should forgive. Um, in fact, in studying this week, I don't think I learned anything new about forgiveness, which is rare for me. Uh, every I don't know what you get out of these sermons, but every week I get a lot out of the sermon. I, when I'm, oh my gosh, this is what God wants, and it's it's amazing. And sometimes I just sit there and reflect about something I never even talk about, but I just all this revelation comes, I love it. and I but I don't think I learned anything new about forgiveness as I was looking over um, uh, studying for this message. But once again, I was struck by these words of Jesus that he spoke uh, toward the end of his life. And John 13, 17, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. What a great verse. I think I'll memorize that one. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So that's why this morning I don't wanna just teach you forgiveness. I want to lead you into forgiving. And on your chair, if uh, there should be a piece of paper and a pen, and that has a purpose. And on that piece of paper, what I want you to do is I want you to write down the person that caused the pain and the pain itself. I want you to write down the person, and I want you to write, write down the pain, the event, the issue. Write down the person. Just their first name. You don't have to say their last name, their address, their social, the GPS location. I know you know that. But you write down the person's name and the offense of the person and the event that you need to forgive. And what we're going to do today is you're gonna have the opportunity to have the funeral. And today, you're gonna finally put that offense to death, And so at the end, we're going to come up here and, and we'll open up this box and you'll throw in your piece of paper. You may have to get more paper. You may have to get out your journal. You may have to write a book. The people I need to forgive. But whatever it is, you're going to write that and you're going to drop it in here. We're going to close it if I can. And it's going to be locked and no one else is going to see this. But we're going to finally put this offense to rest. The very first funeral I ever went to, I was six years old. Uh, One of my friends uh, died drowning. And it didn't really hit me that hard because I was six. I didn't understand what was happening. But I do remember my my second funeral, my third funeral, it happened within about a year of each other. It was a close uncle and my grandpa. And I remember experiencing for the very first time that sense of finality, that sense of permanent loss. In fact, I remember, I can remember, I can remember like it was yesterday, my grandma shrieking, Bill, don't leave me. As she contemplated that she would never see him again. And this was the first time that I remember leaving something that I would never see again. And that's what I want us to do in this message. I want us to have a sense of finality about the offenses in our past. And some of you are gonna to have to let go, and some of you are going to have to grieve the loss of what could have been. And you're gonna to have to grieve the loss of what should have been, what was taken from you. And you've been holding on to it for all these years. And in a ceremonial act, you're going to put it in this box. And you're going to leave it to rest. And we're going to talk about this over the next two weeks. And this week, a subtitle may be Viewing Unforgiveness as God Does, which is going to lead us to make a decision to forgive. Some would say, well, I can't forgive because I don't feel like forgiving. No, you don't feel like forgiving because you haven't forgiven. There's an order to it. So we're going to make the decision to forgive, and next week we'll explore the emotions that result from unforgiveness and the emotions that result from forgiveness, which will highlight for us the process of forgiveness. Today I want to lead you to the crisis, to the decision to forgive. Forgiveness is a crisis, forgiveness is a process, and more on that toward the end of this message, and of course we'll talk about it. Extensively next week. But we are in Matthew 18 in this series in the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bible, please turn there, get out your phone, whatever you read the Bible with. It's on the screen, but it'd be awesome if you had it in your lap as well. Matthew 18, verse 21. And then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. The context of this message is last week's message. For those who weren't here, last week was about how do you respond when someone sins against you? How do you respond when you see someone um, sinning? What do you, do you? And It's very, very clear. You don't gossip about it. You don't tell other people about it. Um, you go to the person. You seek to love them, forgive them, restore them back into fellowship. And so while Jesus is teaching on what we talked about last week, Peter's mind goes off on a tangent. And does that ever happen to you? Someone's teaching and your mind goes off on a tangent? Don't lie. You can see me, but I just want you to know I can see you too. And um, I see you going off into who knows where. This is what Peter's doing. He's he's listening to the teaching of Jesus. And then there's a moment where his mind goes into a tangent and Jesus' voice sounds like, Charlie Brown's teacher, wah-wah, wah-wah, wah-wah. And Peter starts to think of the implications of always forgiving. He's like, time out. You can't possibly mean we always forgive. I mean, once is, is a big deal. But two times, three times, people will take advantage of you. I'm tired of getting kicked around. Enough's enough. That's how Peter feels. You can't possibly mean always. There's gotta be a loophole. There's gotta be an exception. But it, Peter sees that Jesus is pretty serious about this forgiveness thing. And of course, Peter wants to get an A in a discipleship. So he's like, I gotta think of a really impressive number. And if you don't know this, the, the Pharisees taught that you should forgive someone three times because I know what I'll do. I'll take that number, I'll double it, and I'll add one. Seven, the number of completion. Wait, well, hey, you know, Jesus, you know, how many times should we forgive someone? Check this out, guys. Seven times. And Jesus answers, Jesus answers, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And one day for the same offense. You guys got those cards Ready? 77 times. Genesis 4, Lamech is, 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 uh, is uh, bragging to his wives that he's going to take revenge on his enemies 77 times. Maybe that's what Jesus was referring to. You made double seven, two completion squared or something like that. It's not squared, I know, math people. Give it a rest, math people. Um, Some, the King James translation, if you got that open, says 70 times seven, 490 times. The, the point is, not the number, like 77. Is it 77 or 490? Which one is it? That's not the point. It's not like, Dean, you're out. It's, it is, what he's trying to say here is that you cannot put a limit on your forgiveness of others because I have not put a limit on my forgiveness of you. You write down the person, you write down the pain. So he says, let me me, me tell you a story, so this is clear. He tells this story in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. Now, this is a great phrase. Anytime you see it in your Bible, to mark it, write it down, highlight whatever, because Jesus is getting ready to say, I'm explaining something to you that is different than the way the world does it. So the world does forgiveness completely different to this. When you become a Christian, God makes you a new creation that is the spirit man inside of you, but your brain still has some ruts, has some stinking thinking, as my mom would say. You know, like you ever drive a car out on a country road where it rained and there was a tractor and it's had these deep ruts in it? Your brain has these ruts in it. So he's saying if you rationalize forgiveness, you're not going to get where I'm explaining this to you. So he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like code for this is different than how people do it. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. King had... Uh, lots of servants, had a lot of people owed him money. He's like, you know what? Today's the day. I want my money back. Verse 24, when he began to, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, talent wasn't like, you know, they played the piano and can sing. It wasn't a, it was a currency. And uh, one talent was worth 20 years wages. 20 year. 20 years of wages, one talent. 10,000 talents was worth 200,000 years of wages. A debt that it would would have taken the common man 3,000 lifetimes to pay off if he worked from the day he was born to the day he died. 3,000 lifetimes. Here's the point. It was an unpayable debt. Does anybody here know anyone who has an unpayable debt? This guy has a debt, look at it, verse 25, that he could not pay. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had. And there are many people who have done many things to you and people you love, and they cannot pay. There is no possible way that they are going to repair the damage they've done, replace what they've taken, fix what they have destroyed. There is no payment that you could extract. The only way that this can be fixed is by grace. This man needed mercy. But what did he ask for? This is interesting. What did he ask for? Verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. What's wrong with that? He couldn't possibly pay that debt. He couldn't pay the interest on that debt. He asked for patience, but he needed mercy. Mercy. He miscalculated his debt. You and I miscalculate our debt. We ask God for, hey, God, if you do this, I'll do this. We come to him, we bargain when we have nothing to bargain with. We ask for patience when, reality, we just need mercy. When we ask God for patience and not mercy, it's a sign to us that we have miscalculated our debt. This servant had miscalculated his debt to the king because he thought he just needed time. Very seldom, if ever, if ever, does the person who sinned against you rightly calculate the debt they owe you. They almost always underestimate the pain. They almost always underestimate the injury. So don't expect them to. Don't look for them to properly calculate what they owe. Some people say, I will forgive them when they say they're sorry. Ever say that? When they finally realize what they've done, when they're able to explain to me, improve to me the pain that they caused and why they caused it. Newsflash, jot this down. They're not coming. They're not coming. They will never Properly calculate the debt that they owe you. And just in case you and I think that we are the ones, we are only the ones that get injured and never the ones who injure, we don't properly calculate the debt that we owe. That's why when we talk about forgiveness, we are very aware of what people owe us. We are, tend to be unaware of what we, owe, what we owe others. I mean, aren't you glad that Jesus did not wait until we properly calculated our debt before he forgave us? The Bible says that we were dead in our sins, unable, unable to even fathom what we owed him. In fact, we thought he owed us. That's what we thought. We thought he owed us. He got no such apology before he forgave. Don't wait for it. Verse 27. And out of pity, that word is gonna be, we're gonna talk a lot about that word next week. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. Now, I think that deserves some sound effects. <gasps> Can you do that? Okay, let's do it. Ready? Out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. Wow. Verse 28, but when the, servant, when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, about three months' wages. So 3,000 3, lifetimes of wages compared to three months' wages. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. Now that deserves a different sound effect. Ugh. A grunt. Ugh. You ready to do that all together? All right, verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. Yeah. It's so clear, isn't it? Jesus is such a good teacher. It is so clear. The debt others owe you is significant. Jesus is not belittling. He is not belittling what other people owe you. But what He is pleading for you to not do is belittle what you owed Him. Verse 29, so His fellow servant, fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Deja vu? Deja vu? I think I've heard those words before. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. His master summoned him, probably just shaking and it said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on you? The question here is rhetorical. The answer is yes, I should have, but I did not. I knew what was right and I didn't do it. I knew that I should have forgiven. I did not do it. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do you have your names written out? Do you have the pain written out? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all this debt. So also my heavenly father will do to everyone of you who do not forgive your brother from your heart. James 2.13 says, judgment will be without mercy for those who show no mercy. Why don't people forgive? I mean, I get why the world doesn't. I mean, it's like they got this one 80-year window, you know, gotta eat, drink, and be merry. This is the life, you know, trying to. Why don't Christians, why don't we do this? Why don't we do it immediately with everyone and in total? Why don't we do this? Well, I think Peter at the beginning of the text kind of gives us, kind of represents our mindset. And he, Peter was looking for a loophole. He was looking for a loophole. Uh, Is there a person I don't have to forgive? Is there a limit? Is there an expiration date? Is there a specific crime that is so much I don't have to forgive? Some people think that. This is too big to forgive. Because it's so big, you need to forgive. Why are you carrying that thing around? Is there a hall pass? Is there an exit ramp? Is there any room to squirm out of forgiveness? Is there any person here right now or any of our services at any of our locations or watching online who can come up here and tell a story and leave with a pink slip on forgiveness? Who could say, because of what I've experienced, because of what I've been through, others may have to forgive, but I do not. That is the purpose of this teaching. The answer Of Jesus is very clearly there is not. Because of what I have done for you, forgiveness must be immediate as to when. It must be unilateral. That means everyone. It must be total. That means completely. What did the servant say the second time he came before the king? What did he say? Remember what he said? Hold up the international sign for nothing. He said nothing because there was nothing to say. And God forbid you or I have to go before God and explain to him why we did not forgive. We won't say anything because there won't be anything to say that's why today, with that card, the person and the pain, the person and the pain, the person and the pain, and you're gonna, as as an act, you're gonna put it in this box and we're gonna get rid of that. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is releasing people from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. What does it mean to forgive? It means to cancel the debt. That's what the king does here. He cancels the debt. And by doing so, he put his kingdom at risk. I mean, this is, depending on how you calculate it, upwards of a trillion dollars. I mean, I know inflation's been bad, but that's still a lot of money. I used to think that forgiveness means nobody pays. That's not the gospel. The gospel isn't that nobody pays. The gospel is that Jesus pays. That he paid for your sin, that Jesus paid for my sin. And when we forgive, we are paying. It's not that no one pays, but you are releasing them from the obligation which means that you pay. And I can't think of anything that, that, that uh, unites us and connects us more to Jesus than when you and I forgive. That we release people from what they owe us. We show them mercy. It's not that they don't deserve it. It's not that you don't deserve it, but that's what mercy is. Mercy is that you, res- that you don't get what you do deserve. And when you forgive, you're showing mercy. It's not that they don't deserve it. It's just that you have decided not to treat them. I can't, I can't forgive unless I can forget it. No, you can't forget it until you forgive. forgive the decision to forgive is the beginning point. It's the, it's, it's, it's the beginning point. By the way, Jesus doesn't, God doesn't forget anything. It, you know, he moves as far as the East from the West, but it's still somewhere. He can go get it if he wants it. He, the, the, the verse actually doesn't say that he forgets our sins. It says he does, he does, it says he does something way better than forgetting. He chooses not to remember Unforgiveness is the decision to regularly review the offense. He chooses not to remember, and then he does something even better, and that is he doesn't treat us as our sins. He makes the choice to not remember. So forgiveness is a crisis. It's a decision, which we're going to do today. Next week, we're going to learn how it's a process. It's a process when you, the process, for, the, the, the crisis of forgiveness is you decide to do it. You decide to do it. It's a reflex. Someone hurts you, injures you, forgiveness. It's a reflex. The process is I'm not gonna bring this up to them anymore. I'm not gonna bring this up to anyone else anymore. And here's the really hard one. I'm not gonna bring it up to myself anymore. And when you fail the process, which I often do, you go back to the crisis. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> Unforgiveness welled back up in my heart. Bitterness, anger, clamor, which we'll talk about next week. I, I, I choose to forgive. I'm choosing to forgive. Forgiveness is not enabling. So you can forgive someone for what they did without enabling them to do it again. So you get abu- someone gets drunk and abuses you. And then they invite you to their New Year's Eve party. Forgiveness means, doesn't mean that you go to the party, enable them to do it again. But it does mean that you're not trying to get even. You're not hoping for their failure. Anger is replaced with compassion. I mean, it really can happen. It's how powerful forgiveness is. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It is powerful. You can unleash a new reality in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of your neighborhood, in the life of your world through forgiveness. It's powerful. It's not rescuing, you know? Doesn't mean that our actions don't have consequences. doesn't mean rescuing them from consequences. It just means that I I am releasing them of what they owe me. They may owe something to the world. They may owe something to someone else. But you are releasing them from the obligation that they owe you. So that's why we're today, we're going to not just talk about it, think about it. We're going to do forgiveness. And you can do this. I know for some of you, this may be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. I'm not unaware of that reality. Let me tell you, as we close here, the the band will come up here in a a moment, but let me tell you about a Dutch woman that you probably know her name, Corrie ten Boom. Um, She lived in the Netherlands after World War II. Her and her her sister, Betsy, um, were hiding Jews during the Holocaust, and they got caught and they were put into concentration camps and in a concentration camp. And in that camp, her sister Betsy died and, and Cory ten Boom survived and she became a famous author and speaker all throughout Europe. It's probably why her name is familiar. She tells a story that happened just a few years after the war where she comes face to face with one of the guards in the concentration camp that she was at. And she says this, she, I'll read this to you. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him a balding, heavy set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the shame of walking naked past this man. He walked up to me and said, you, you mentioned Ravensburg in your talk. I was a guard there. But since that time he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear from your lips as well. And his hand came out. Will you forgive me? As I stood there, Betsy had died in that place. I thought to myself, could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could have not been been more than a few seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I've ever had to do. Today, you may do the most difficult thing that you've ever had to do. Because I had to do it, she says, I knew it. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. And I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. I prayed silently, Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretch out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. A current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then with this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing me to tears. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. Here's what's gonna happen to many of you today. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. The reason why you're doing this today, and the band can go ahead and come up. The reason why you're doing this today is not to bless those who have injured you. The reason why you're doing this today is that God wants to bring a new reality of his love as you step into forgiving that person who caused you that injury. We'll only do this if we keep our eyes on him and what he's done for us. I mean, in this story, in this story, you know, the servant act like the king. And it was the king who didn't just act like a servant, Jesus, he became a servant for us. And he treated us not as we deserve. He treated us as we didn't deserve. I'm so grateful for that. There's power in the gospel. There's power and not just saying, I know I know, I should, but I won't. There's power when you exercise and live out and walk out what the gospel tells you, which is that you had an unpayable debt and God forgave you. And by believing that, by receiving it, and by faith walking it out, you unleash a new reality in the world, in your world and everyone around you. Would you stand with me? The band is going to lead us in an awesome, awesome song. And then I'm going to go ahead and open this up here. And I just want you to come. I want you to take that card that you've filled out. And if you haven't done it yet, you have a few seconds. My prayer will probably be about 43 seconds. So if you want to go ahead, everybody, no one will be looking. So. And then I want you to come up here and just drop it in here. And we'll, after the service we'll close it, lock it, and no one else will see it. But for you to say, I am giving, I'm letting this go. I, I want to experience the finality of releasing it. And then next week, we'll talk about the process, how we live this out, how we live this out. Father, I thank you for your immense love for us, Jesus. Whew, what you have done, an unpayable debt. God, remind us, Lord, Help us to see that we were dead. And God, you did not treat us as our sins deserve, but you forgave us of an unpayable debt. God, give us the grace to release others of the obligation that they owe us when they injured us. May we be those who unleash a new reality in our world. Amen.